Hello and welcome in again to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harland. I am your co-host, Brian Brown. We are high atop the Lifeway Tower in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. You can't get any higher than we are right now. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere but the B.B. McKinney Studios, (laughs) which are dull and drab Now, last time you said we were beautifully festooned. Well, I realized that, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me on that, and so I've decided to come clean today and admit that the studios are not that well festooned. But Mike, last week we ran the first half of an interview that you had with the new president and CEO of Lifeway, Ben Mandrell. Yes. And then today we're going we're gonna to go to part two. I'm so excited about Ben, just the person that he is, the godly leader that he is. He's already making a big impact on the culture of Lifeway. And we get to play today the second half of our interview about leading creatives. That's oh, pretty yeah. interesting stuff. So yeah. I hope our folks will enjoy this. It's going to be great. Listen up. So, Mike, it's part two with our special guest, president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, Ben Mandrell. And I'm so excited about where we're going this time in the conversation for our audience. Leading creatives. Leading creatives. And the reason, Ben, I wanted to talk to you about that is because I've picked up on something that you are saying repeatedly as you're talking. You know, words become worlds, right? We all know right. about that. And you and the framing of how you talk about Lifeway will very quickly become the way that we all talk about Lifeway. And I know you you know that. I just wanted you to feel the yeah. responsibility even more right no, now. I love it. Um, <laughs> but there's a phrase I, I hear you talking about. I hear this phrase from time to time. You're calling Lifeway an army of creatives. Talk about why you're describing Lifeway that way and, and why that, that matters so much to you that it's showing up in how you talk about this work. Yeah, well, I once heard a guy say that if you want a person to be a leader, you should treat them like one. Mm. And so a lot of times people rise up to the level of your expectations. Sure. And so I, I think we all recognize in this room, not everybody inside this building is equally creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody is creative in a sense. And when we call them to creativity, they will begin to feel the pressure to be creative. Yeah. And so I let me just go ahead and state that we just closed some stores. Yeah. Okay. So I don't the, know if people have heard that. But probably yeah, not. As a matter Thank of you fact. for sharing. Yes. This <laughs> chapter of Lifeway's life First of big having announcement. a <laughs> giant chain of retail stores that represent the face of Lifeway. Most people don't realize it's only been a part of what we do, Yeah, but it's been a significant part. Significant. So we're in a season of reimagining the future, and I think it's it's an, it's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. But the way forward is not to just rest on old ideas. The way forward is to come up with new ideas. And we have some of the most gifted people in this building that are already doing that and have been doing that. But I think what I, I feel God calling me to do in this early season is just keep pouring gas on that. The innovation, yeah. the creativity, the desire to do some things in a new way, not just rest on products we've made. But what, what products don't exist in the life of the church that need to exist in mm-hmm. the life of the church. And so keep pushing people to be creative. And having said that, um, I do think, just being around the local church for 17 years, is that the creative community often gets overlooked. Hmm. And, um, you know, just read scripture. God has put some Mm -hmm. people on the earth to make things beautiful. Yeah. And when we lose that tribe of people, whether it's in the church or whether it's at Lifeway, something maybe doesn't hit the bottom line. Maybe it doesn't hit the bottom line, but something inside the building feels completely different when the artists and creatives leave the building. Yeah. 
So I, I feel a burden for that. I, I think it's something that we need to continue to think about carefully in the life of the local church. And other people are thinking about it too. Andrew Peterson just came out with oh, a book about it. this. Yeah. So just uh, expressing creativity. A B&H so, book, by the way. Yeah, if you folks didn't yes. realize that. I'm excited to read that book. Adorning I, the Dark is what it's called. It's, and it's getting rave reviews. And Andrew came and did a chapel here uh, months ago. Yeah. It was before you were here to kind of kick off this the whole thing about the book. And uh uh, and I'm already hearing people talk about how this book is kind of shaking them up a little bit. I think it's one of the attributes of God that he instilled in us with as we bear his image, uh, and that is creativity. It, it's one of the one of the marks of humanity that, that make us unique um, is that we he gives and puts in us the ability to create. Mm-hmm. And even the uncreative is creative sometimes in their uncreativity. Yeah, I think, Mike, I think sometimes, especially yeah. in music ministry, we do this, yeah. but it happens everywhere where we kind of can conflate creativity and artistry. I think there are people that may not be artistic, but they are creative. And I think both communities mm-hmm. are Absolutely. critical. Yeah. yeah. I so, think we confuse creativity saying. for ideation. Right. Yeah. I think right. ideation is one piece of the process. Uh, implementation is the other piece. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the most creative people I know are implementers. Yeah. yeah. They take an That's idea right. and they automatically see the vision of how that needs to actually and happen. Some of the most creative people I know couldn't couldn't, couldn't implement, implement anything, anything. <laughs> including the guy including, you're talking to. They're I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you, those are the whiteboard guys. Those yeah. are the guys that you want in the room when you're like, what if if we started with nothing, what would we do next? And then there's this other set of people that look at that and then get really creative about how to implement that and go about and attack it and execute it and you got to have all of that on your mm-hmm. team and when you build a church team i mean you think about you were building a team at storyline from scratch yeah uh you needed all kinds of people that were creative in all those different ways didn't you right and you have to call out the creativity in people yeah. and affirm it so the statement that i heard years ago that's really i thought really insightful was culture is created by the positive behaviors you celebrate and the negative behaviors you tolerate Mm, so when you put on a production at at your church and Mm -hmm. you know it was mediocre half-baked and tired and you tolerate that another year you are creating a culture where uh, just okay is okay but creativity is always pressing into into what is fresh what is new you know I think the question is interesting is is one of the questions I've received just now in leading a publishing company is is why do we need more books yeah we already have plenty of books you know Ecclesiastes even says <laughs> there's nothing new the under the study sun. of books yeah. becomes yeah. wearisome to me yeah. <laughs> and in the beginning of uh, Tim Keller's book on prayer he actually writes he said some of you may wonder why we need another book on prayer and he answers the question I think winsomely he says in every generation the language changes Mm-hmm. And so older books on prayer are really hard to process because they're written in an idiom or yeah. a, vernacular a vernacular that's not familiar. And so the same is true of songs. No the same doubt. is true of books that in every generation, fresh experiences of these old truths need to happen. So, I mean, I've yet to hear a worship song in the last year or two that it's presenting an idea that I've never thought of no. Or, no. or never heard in another song. Yeah. But it was it was put in a way that opened up a door for me. I yeah. helped, helped me see it a little differently because yeah. of the fresh package. Fresh delivery. Yeah, I made I made an observation a few years ago, and I've chased this question ever since in a variety of ways. But 
in the in the original manuscripts of the of the Psalms, which was the most copied book of the Old Testament. There were there have been more copies of Psalms found, and that makes sense because they were making copies for the choir. There you go. Uh, yeah. You know, the but, but they, the the manuscripts of Psalms. So you have these things, the superscriptions of Psalms, hmm. which are in a number of them, not all of them, maybe a third or so, maybe a little less than that actually. That had these editorial comments. I think those are interesting. They're fascinating, yeah. and they're like song stories, and we all love song stories. But the thing I've always been fascinated by that speaks to what you're talking about creativity is there are a number of psalms, a half a dozen or so, that are associated with a tune name that is mentioned in the superscription to the tune of. And right. I usually don't finish that sentence when I talk about this because the tune names are really hard to pronounce right. and I don't I want to slaughter them. Right. Um, I remember one of them is, is English translated, the lilies. There's one that's translated like that. So if the God who preserved that text... Why didn't he preserve those tunes? There were tunes associated with those texts, but he didn't preserve the. Could he have preserved the tunes? Absolutely. God could have preserved the tunes. We could have had a book. We've got a book called Numbers. We could have had a book called Tunes, and we could have had the tunes. But I really believe that God. It's God's invitation into the collaboration of, mm-hmm. of worship. It. That's and that's a creative God telling every generation of believer. Here the truth is, find your own melody, find mm. your own way to say it. And every generation has that privilege of collaborating with him. So this God who's creative welcomes yes. creativity. And, and here's what I've learned about working with creatives. Like this is just my pastor hat, working yep. with creative people. As here's, here's some ways to just kill a creative. Nail it. Uh, put huge expectations and short deadlines. Yeah. So yeah. we want it to be awesome by Friday. Yeah. <laughs> okay? they, there's no respect for the creative process for yeah. the for the time it takes yeah. to bake an idea to like all that. So so I've learned that over the years. Number yeah. 2, put them in a really boring office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With white walls. Yes. That looks like, you know, and tell them they can't hang anything. You can't hang anything. You can't, you can't do it. And don't tell me that aesthetics matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just put a creative in that kind of environment. <laughs> right? Are you okay? <laughs> well, we used to have these rules at Lifeway. You're not old enough to know them. But oh, my oh. goodness. Nothing higher than the top of your cubicle. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Go ahead. Third thing, measure, measure their success by how much time they spend in the seat. Creative, creative people. I heard an amen shouted. <laughs> yeah, that, from the, from the I, I, I just got a chill bump here. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm getting at, here's what I've learned. If there's a pastor out there, like if you really want creativity to flourish in your church, you have to change the metrics. It's not that they can't be measured. You just have to think about different ways to measure success with creatives, because it's not always quantifiable as you want it to be in yeah. other areas. So I've always dealt with this in the life of the church, that yeah. people who are non-creative think that the creatives, they just don't work. Yeah, they don't work. Mm. Yeah. When they actually work way more than you realize, but it's like late into the night yeah. right. or it's moments of inspiration. Yeah. And, and so there is a different way of thinking about the value of creativity besides how many hours did it take? Yeah. So one of the questions I had written down to ask you was, how do you frustrate creatives? I think you just answered that one. So how do you, how do you on the positive side, to get, put that now in the positive realm? How would you encourage a creative? What are the steps you can take as a leader that will help people be even more That's creative? a great question, and, yep. and I'm, gonna, I'm speaking from failure now, okay? Okay, yep. So just take an idea to them that's already, everything's decided. You, I just, just need you to implement this. Yeah. I've already outlined it, how it's going to work. What the t- I've put time to it, yeah, and then it just if you'll just do this, you know, here at Lifeway, that's called 
you know, being an order taker. <laughs> Here, I have an yeah. order. I need you. Yes, please. So I think creative people like to be on the front end. Yeah. They like to be in the room, even if they're not asked to say anything. Yeah. Just, I want you in the room to hear what we're talking about so yeah. your creative juices can start flowing. Yeah. So um, honestly, I think that's something we've been pretty bad at at LifeWay. Yeah, mm. no doubt. I think we have not worked hard at getting creative people in the room soon enough. And then assume they're going to buy in and be excited yeah. about the idea when it's done. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think the po- that's the positive is is it's always early. be thinking about as the conversation is beginning, how soon can we get creative people in the room just thinking about this with us? Yeah, that's good. It's important because you're talking about meetings, and and Mike always jokes that Lifeway is Hebrew for meeting. I mean, anybody's <laughs> calendar at Lifeway is no, just no, it's it's long meeting long you, meeting, long long meeting. Long. and yeah. that's what i was going to ask both of you in leading creatives creative people get frustrated in long meetings or certain types of meetings so it's it while it is critically important to have them in the room so how do you invite uh, creatives into a meeting and make it the kind of meeting that they can enjoy participating in mike it's this will be a great time for us to take a quick break yeah. and when we come back yeah, we, can, we can get into Let's that about uh, topic Hey, this is Tim Henning, a.k.a. The Red Box Guy. You know, I work for Lifeway Worship, but I'm also a part-time music minister at a church here in Nashville. And I tell you, getting my choral subscription sent straight to my door is invaluable. And I just wanted to tell you about my favorite choral club. It's The Red Box, and it's our premier choral club here at Lifeway Worship. And we have three different choices depending on your needs. We have The Red Box, Let's Sing, and The Little Red Box. When you subscribe to The Red Box, you get everything we publish for print choral music sent straight to your door. Full print copies and audio demos of everything in the box so you can listen and see what fits your ministry the best. Each shipment also has something called Inside the Red Box, and it has helpful articles and interviews as well as a full order form for everything in that particular cycle. From Christmas to Easter to non-seasonal moments, we have you covered, and it's featuring all of your favorite arrangers and writers and orchestrators. You pay once a year, and there are no shipping fees. And the best part is each year you renew, you receive a voucher for your next music order with us that's valued at the cost of the club. You can check it out at lifeway.com slash the red box or call 800-436-3869 and get started today. All right, so we're back, and we were talking about creatives, Ben. You were talking how important it is to, to bring them in at the beginning of an idea, and it immediately got me thinking of all my creative friends and how frustrated they can be in a meeting. So I was asking you guys about how you involve creatives in the process without boring them to death or getting them to disengage in, in, in some of the monotony that goes on. In yeah, I, you know, I think another thing that's a struggle for a creative, I struggle with this myself, is just putting blocks on the calendar yeah. mm. where I'm not going to be solving existing problems responding to email I'm only going to dream up things that could happen in the future yeah. it's the easiest thing it's like your devotional life like as yeah. soon as you get busy mm-hmm. it's the first thing that you're tempted to cut Yep. and it, in order to feel fresh in ministry you just gotta keep dreaming new dreams and yeah. thinking about what we could be doing down the road mm-hmm. and so I I think a lot of music people struggle with that because the the Sunday is always coming, it's coming. and there's always people pulling out and bailing last minute. There's yeah. things that are always it's it's uh, constantly chaotic. A production environment where yes. it's a lot of moving parts. And in a pastor's life, I would imagine that would happen quite often when you get into sermon prep, where yeah. you you've got multiple layers where you're it's it's this Sunday, but it's also six months from now, and it's also a year from now, and how you layer in those different different 
preparation. Brian, one of the things I would I would you didn't ask me. This is but you know the well, podcast does have. I am. It was implied that I was asking. Well, you. well. <laughs> I, I, here's one of the things I think is so important. That yeah. by the way, Mr. President, we've not been greater at, at around here in my humble opinion, which of course I highly regard. Highly regarded. Yeah. Um, that our meeting time is often wasted. Yeah. That that when you bring a creative into a meeting that's two and a half hours long when it could have been an hour and a half long. Yeah. And it and it it it's not fast paced enough and it doesn't involve enough or it has too many people at the table yeah. and it goes yeah. too many different places where the scope is not well defined and it just kinda get and that that is shut nothing shuts me down more than being in a meeting, a long meeting that has nothing to do with my work. Yeah. Uh, right. Just shuts me down and turns my brain off. And man, so one of the things I try to do is as a leader, and you guys can comment later off mic of how good I do this or not, uh, is I'm starting on time every time. Yeah, uh, it, It's fast-paced. Uh, it, we get it done. We close it out. We're out of there. And then if we want to stay and dream yeah. and ideate, we yeah. can. But but meetings, meetings have to be defined and, and protect yeah. the creative time. The biggest threat to meetings, I think, to effective meetings is that – in every meeting, certain issues pop up that need to get fixed, and we try to fix them right there. Yeah, that's right. Instead of simply writing on the board, we need to fix this mm-hmm. and keep moving on. I agree. We go ahead and take that liberty, and then 20 minutes later, we're, we're not even, we forgot what we're even meeting Chasing about. Chasing exactly. rabbits. Exactly. Yeah, but, that, terrible. but that needs to get solved. It just needs to get solved in another meeting. So I think one of the challenges I've faced over the years is trying to keep meetings focused on what we're yeah. trying to solve. Yeah. And so some people who are in meetings with me would know that one of the first things I ask is what is the question we're trying to answer in this meeting because if you can't clearly articulate that why are we even meeting and you wouldn't even know if you've answered it you may have already answered it and you're still meeting I got us on meeting but I want to get back to you what you said about blocks of space and blocks of time I remember Mike we um, the first time that I was with you 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 had met and been with Bill Gaither before but we went up and saw their headquarters there in Indiana and Bill pointed to a field outside the window of his office and he said he talked about how much time he spent walking around that field that's not the kind of thing yeah. Anybody wants on their calendar <laughs> walking around field for two hours. But those gaps, as important as the meetings yeah. are and the connecting and the talking, are, are those gaps. And I don't know how we can say to pastors and to leaders enough that your creative people have got to have space to go walk around the grass yeah. and listen to what God has to say to them. So, Ben, you're creative. I've already seen that. I, we, we've got a new thing we're doing here at Lifeway where we're – uh, our chapel services. Lifeway has a rich history of chapel, but um, uh, just before coming into this podcast studio today, I was in a creative meeting to plan future gatherings yeah. uh, for our chapel's times here right. at Lifeway. Tim's part of that team. Tim, Tim Henning, our, our engineer. Um, and you you have facilitated that, and that's one of the early things I saw in you right away was, man, you want some creativity. You want to bring in different voices. And I'm really getting getting to know and enjoy the creativity of some people around that table that weren't ever even speaking into that, and yet yeah. are really showing That's a good creativity. question. How did you do that? In other words, I, I'm sure you had an idea in your head. How did you put that team together, decide what side it, size it would be, who would be in the room? I mean, how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think early on, I designed the first chapel or two, and then yeah. I thought, you know, it would probably be smart to get some people around here that really understand the importance of this and see what they think. And so it wasn't like this well-developed strategy. It was just kind of like, well, let's get some people in a room and think about how could we make chapel something that people never want to miss. Yeah. And being new, I don't have context. I don't yeah. know where we've been with chapel. I don't know what 
what's on the hearts of people, what their desires yeah. are for chapel. So I knew I needed to learn kind of what makes, what's, what are the ingredients for a really good chapel. And so I think I need to play a heavy role in that as the leader and president, but I don't need to play every role. Yeah. And it takes a ton of pressure off me. And, you know, Tim led the best game <laughs> we've ever had in a yeah. chapel in yeah. the history of the organization. I never could have led that game. He yeah. did it better than me. He, Tim was supposed to be a game show host. He should have been a game show host. So the Lifeway Family Feud game will forever be yeah. the yes. greatest moment in yeah. game it history. Was pretty, it, was pretty it never yeah. would have come out of me. So I think, again, this goes back to my experience as a pastor. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. Find out what they're good at and let them shine in their roles. So I think the mark of a, a really strong leader yeah. is to put people up that are built for that moment and let them do it and get yeah. out of their way. And the lesson I learned, Ben, that, that I didn't know when I was in ministry or leading music staffs or whatever, my tendency would be to get the same five or six people, yeah. the people that directly report to me. No matter what I wanted to work on, I would grab my closest associates and work on it. But what you did when you built that team is you reached all throughout the organization. Like Mike said, he's meeting people in that room he's never met before. Yeah. It wasn't the usual suspects, and I thought that was a great well, lesson for me. I I want to get back to the question creativity. I was about to ask before Brian so rudely interrupted oh, sorry, me a minute Mike. ago. Um, but anyway, yes, <laughs> I love you, buddy. Yeah. Um, the uh, so you're creative. What advice would you have? Or and I'm and I'm and I realize I'm asking you aspirationally. You may not even practice this all the time yourself. But how does a creative person fuel the juices of creativity in their life? What What yeah. are some important disciplines that you blocking time is one of those? But are there some other things, other ways that the people that listen to our podcast, yeah. some 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 holy habits? Great question. Uh, I, let me just speak from my experience of when I have when I have found myself to be the most creative. Yeah, I'm rested. Yeah, I'm not coasting on like the yeah. minimal amount of sleep. Yeah, um, I block off time at at the best time for me when I feel fresh. So I'm an mm. early bird. I love yeah. the earlier the better for me. But after 8 p.m., you ask me to be creative, Yeah, I, I can't do it. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is knowing your own rhythms, knowing yourself. Reading. Yes. When I'm spending a lot of time just Tell reading and, and filling my mind with fresh ideas. Yes. Um, and so when I've been less creative is when I've just relied on old sermons. Let me just rework yeah. this one and yeah. change an illustration. Careful. Like, Careful. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can do that for a little while, and then you start to dry up inside. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think a lot of it is knowing what brings you to life. Um, and a lot of it yeah. is, we don't talk enough about rest. I, most yeah. of my best ideas, I, be, I well. was either on vacation yeah. or I was on a run yeah. or I was, I was not working. Yeah. And so making sure there's times when you're resting because some of your best ideas are going to come when you're not working, which yeah. is a problem in the local church because there's a lot of people that just work around the clock. He mentions reading, uh, and I would say, I, I would I would say reading for sure, and we we've actually we did a podcast, Brian. Remember, like five books everybody needs to read, yes. and I gave thirteen instead. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of dumb. Uh, and I would add, I'll, I'll nuance that a little bit. Um, listening, and mm. I think, and not just for the musician, but I tell you, there's something about listening to something like a great a great uh, symphonic work or. Or even a jazz record, or something whatever. without lyrics. Something without yeah. lyrics. Yeah, uh, I agree. What you're listening to, what you're, you know, and great art in any form. What you're seeing, the visual mm -hmm. arts, um, mm -hmm. uh, all, all of those things can fuel the mind of a creative. But here's here's the caveat I'll add to it: 
reading, but reading outside your genre. Yeah, that's what I was going like, to ask. About. Like, what um, do you read? I, I think sometimes we become creative. We can be creatively stale when our listening and our reading and our input is all within a very narrow mm-hmm. genre. But when you uh, like, and you know this, Brian, we've talked about this, but I have three kinds of books going all the time when I'm working right now. Now, right now, I've only got two going, but I've got a biography going of somebody that's I'm finding interesting. I've got a spiritually inspirational book that I'm reading. And then I, I like current issues, almost a, I wouldn't say political, but I'm, I'm reading kind of newsy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have those three books going all the time. And um, and and I'm and when I listen, like for instance, this is going to really upset some people. Probably, I, I had a driving trip last week. I was go, driving to a state convention several hours away, and I was driving. I started listening to the Billy Joel channel on Sirius. It's Radio. about time. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love favorite. Billy Joel. I love Billy I Joel. Do too. I've always loved. But Sirius has has the Billy Joel channel right they now. They do. And uh, and I started and and they're they're dropping in interviews by him. Yeah, and he talks about why he made that song. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that part. All right, so you know what I've wanted to do ever since I've gotten back from that driving trip? I want to go write songs. I, yeah. I want to, I've gotten like all these song ideas yeah. And, yeah. and just hearing him talk about it. And that's not that's really Christian good. worship music, you know? But uh, boy, I was inspired by listening to him talk about why he wrote yeah. what he, the, you know, some of the great songs he wrote and what a creative he is. Uh, so, but, but you bring up another point about being creative, surrounding yourself with people that are more creative than you. Yeah, sure. Just, yeah. I mean, you're That's listening good. to Bill and you're inspired by his creative yeah. ability. Like when I when I really intentionally put, you know, spend some time with people who are creative, I always walk away feeling mm-hmm. like, man, I want to be more creative. Mm-hmm. So I think, too, we, we don't we don't think very carefully about the kinds of appointments that are on our schedules, whether that's going to be an administrative drain or a creative drain. Uh, and there's just way more administrative drains than we probably should allow Yeah. In, in the case of one week. So I think it's always balancing. It's hard to say no. So, yeah. Ben, so ben I, I want to just close it out. First of all, thank you. Thank you for an, uh, an hour that you could have been being creative you, you spent with <laughs> us. Uh, and I hope maybe our conversation may have even sparked you. But no, I'm good. so proud of, of the person you are and the way that you've started uh, leading our organization. And it's a privilege, all of us at Lifeway Worship. Amen. We're enthusiastic about your posture toward the area of ministry that we we bear responsibility and we bear responsibility in all of it. But for this season of our lives, we're in that worship discipline here at Lifeway and you show such a passion and a heart for that. And that is so encouraging to well, us. Well, Mike, you and yeah. I had a conversation recently that, yeah. you know, when you're planting a church, there's three things you just can't mess up. Yeah. Preaching, music, kids ministry yeah that's not that's not to true. discount other ministries yeah, how important they are but if if one of those three things is dramatically wrong you it'll take the whole thing down it'll take the whole thing down no pressure there huh but that's music really is true. important man it's, it's it important to people look how much time they fill up with music yeah and it, it's just it's, it's yeah. so central to who we are music and well, one and, of the talking points i have uh when i talk to church leaders is that worship ministry is not two things led by two people it's one thing led by a whole lot of people and that the pastor is the worship leader of the church and amen. that preaching event becomes a capstone revelation aspect of worship so important uh, and the relationship. That's another podcast. Let's go ahead and book that. Uh, let's get it <laughs> in I'm glad here. you brought that up. Can I say I, that? I know we're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. I always felt like it was really important oh, so in the music for me to be totally engaged, to be in every song, yes. to be in my seat ready. And 
I think there's been some mistakes that are made by pastors, but also I think there's mistakes made by worship pastors who no don't question. listen to their pastor. Listen, who I, don't show equal respect for listen, the preaching. Come listen, on. I, I, all right. So you just said what you wanted to be. I've always wanted to be note taker in chief. I'm on the front row. I'm not at the coffee pot during the sermon, even if I've heard it in the first service and yeah. it's the second service. I am on the front row. It means row a lot to the pastor with my notebook. Taking, I mean, not you to know, just... it's one of those things where we've gotten away. And when, when I was growing up, the staff would all sit on the platform, and the whole yeah. church is watching, and it kind of forces you to be engaged yeah. whether you want to or not. Now we're on the front row, and and we forget that the church is still watching us, even though we're not on the platform. Listen, the congregation still I, watching. I, I've never said it quite this way, but just inspired by what Ben just shared is, let me just say to the worship pastors out there. Be the audience to your pastor when he preaches that you hope That's he is exactly right. when you're leading worship. There needs to be a mutual for respect mutual for what respect. one another contributes because they're both extremely important. Okay, yeah. we're going to need another podcast. All right, man. Yeah. Well, they're doing All right so we've been talking about leading creatives. Yeah. And, uh, and Ben, here, we'll close it out this way. Um, we know that guys that listen to our podcast, a lot of pastors listen to it, but music guys often, they'll sit down and listen to it together or they might forward it to, hey, my, listen to this podcast. And talk to our pastors just a little bit and give them just two or three thoughts about what you, you're leading a creative team in that music and worship ministry. I hope, I hope they are. I hope yeah. they're creative. <laughs> uh, give our pastors some encouragement about what they could do. And you've already said a lot of things, but just summarize all of that. Uh, what encouragement you would give oh, to pastors man. with leading creatives? So once again, from a spirit of striving, not success. Yep. So I haven't figured this piece out, but here's some things that I learned along the way is – I've just noticed that my relationship to the worship pastor was the most rela- important relationship in the life of the church. Mm. If we weren't jiving and if we were off, it was felt. Yeah, no doubt. And that didn't mean we always agreed or we had mm-hmm. everything in common, but spending time with him was important. Yeah, And I could always feel... Uh, the Holy Spirit working on me when there were large gaps between times with my worship pastor because mm-hmm. th- that was began there was a distance that would begin to form between us. So mm-hmm. like like in Denver, Doug and I we'd go on bike rides together because yeah. he liked to bike and I liked to bike and those were some of my favorite times with Doug. Yeah. Not when we were sitting down planning worship, but yeah. we we're just spending time together. Yeah. So I think if I was a, a encouraging a pastor is don't discount how important that is yeah. for the guy who's right up there leading with you to feel that relational mm-hmm. connection. So good. And when I talk to a lot of worship pastors, they don't feel that with the pastor true. and the, the pastor doesn't know how important it is. Yeah. So I think, I think there's that. I also think that <laughs> this is what I've learned about worship pastors are perfectionistic. So if something goes wrong in a service, you don't really even have to tell them. Mm-hmm. They already feel terrible about mm-hmm. it. So anything you say in the zip code of, of criticism, it's only going to add to the guilt that they're going to feel for the next three days already because yeah. that mic wasn't turned on. Yeah. So I just learned over the years to just be really gentle around stuff like that, just to assume it's probably going to get fixed next yeah. week. So I, mean, yeah. I probably don't even need to say anything. Yeah. Instead of being a, a taskmaster whose yeah. job is to criticize everything that could have gone better. And the other thing, too, is that I learned over the years is that I think pastors don't understand that worship pastors are working with volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who rotate in. Yeah, man. Who, who we can't. Who may or may not have practiced. <laughs> that guy doesn't know how to work that button because yeah, it's right. his second week. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Do we want a church that doesn't do volunteers? Or are we willing to sacrifice yeah. some quality so that somebody can be trained up? 
And I'm certainly not saying that we sacrifice quality, but I think there needs to be a lot of grace and just ask questions. Hey, why didn't that mic yeah. get turned on before we jump to conclusions that it was just poor oversight? That's good stuff. So those are just a couple of things I would say to pastors that I've learned over the years from being too harsh or making assumptions that were unfair. Yeah. So those are a couple of things. You know, Brian, what's yeah. interesting, and I know you've got to close this out, but Ben doesn't know this, but our podcast that published today yeah. Yeah. As <laughs> was, we're recording this was one. on the relational dynamic between the worship pastor and the pastor and why it matters. Yeah. And that we actually are a recent podcast. And so yeah. if what he just said resonated with yeah, our audience, y'all need to go back and it's listen to topic. that one too. Yeah. Cause we, it really is. I've said the same thing, almost exactly the same way that that relationship is felt by the church and observed by the church. Even if the church wouldn't articulate it, Amen. they know it when yeah. it's right and they know it when it's wrong. Yeah. And, and my honest, when I talk to worship pastors, I'm asking them to, to, not settle for what the pastor settles for, uh, but be willing to press in to, to get to know their pastor because it's such a critical relationship. Absolutely, man. Yep. Well, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, worship at lifeway.com. Things you've learned relating to your pastor or your ministry staff and how you work on that relationship together. Uh, maybe, as Ben said, where you've maybe tried and failed a few times, and, and we can share those things. You can join us at worshiplife.com on the blog site there and interact with each other and find great blog content in the podcast that Mike referred to there. Not just from Mike, the articles that he writes, but from other uh, thought leaders in the worship space. You can find those at worshiplife.com. Or you can join us on social media. You can join us at Twitter or Facebook. You'll find Lifeway Worship staff there ready to talk to you and talk about worship. Until next time, for Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast with Mike Harlan. We'll be back together again to talk about worship and music ministry very soon. 